0: up a series that Pastor Seth has been working on about being renewed. I'm looking forward to hearing the wrap up on that. I do want to plug where we're going. I am so excited. Beginning next week, I'm going to start a series about health in the family. And this is something that I've been working on since before Easter. And I really felt like I was supposed to do it then. The Lord said, no, 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 you hold it till, till fall. So, okay. Timing is the Lord's timing. And so we're going to start a series on the health of the family starting next week. If the Lord, unless the Lord changes that, but anyway, so I want to pray over the, the Word of the God, the Word of God today. And so, would you just agree with me in prayer, Lord? Thank you for the one thing that you honor even more than your name, and that's your Word. We pray, Lord, that what will happen in the next few moments is you will you will find soft, available soil in our hearts. Speak to us, Lord, through your Word. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, how's everybody today? I'm good. All right, you guys ready to get back into this? Yeah. All right, me too. Give me just a second to get organized here. I'm going to make a mess of things. I'm gonna put that pencil down before I start playing with it. You guys seen those little fidget spinners kids have, right? Everybody's got these fidget spinners. Pastors need these things. <laughs> you can stand up here and fiddle with this thing for, for hours. Yeah, so. Um, Yeah, you know what? I I feel weird being up here and not praying. So if you don't mind, do you mind if I you mind if I just, just pray over us real quick? All right. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today, and Lord, I absolutely believe today that you are going to do a work in this body. Lord, that you are doing a work corporately throughout the entire body of Christ. Lord, to propel us into the promises that you have for us. So, Father, I pray even today as we get ready to ramp into this thing, Lord, that you would begin stirring the things that have been shelved for decades that are something that you spoke of promise that we have not begun to walk in yet, that you're not through with. And we'd leave here today, both arms wrapped around it. In the name of Jesus, amen? Amen. All right. So, um, I shared a story with you guys probably a month, maybe two months ago, about a woman that Angie and I had met that had been downtown uh, in a city around here. And uh, she'd been to, at a restaurant with a friend. She came out of the restaurant and she was assaulted by somebody who didn't like the color of her skin. And uh, in fact, it was in the news not, not too long ago. The trial still hasn't happened yet. Um, uh, the person that assaulted her is is uh, that's that's all in process. But this is a person who, because of this incident, became extremely fearful. Lost their car. Was held up in their in their apartment. Wouldn't leave. Family just hunkered down, bunkered down out of fear. And we hadn't spoken with this woman in, in probably a couple of months, and uh, we had the, I had the opportunity just a few days ago to speak with her, and it was so amazing to see how, as she's been walking with the Lord and allowing the Lord to stir hope in her heart and in her soul again, she's starting to come out, and she's starting to dream again about the things that the Lord has been speaking to her. And she has a desire to, to be a nurse and to get out and, and to serve people who have, who have cancer and this, this dream is starting to well up in her soul. And it just put a big smile on my face. There's another guy I met, I, I may have shared with you, who I met at a Starbucks um, maybe six, eight months ago. I was at a Starbucks, and, and I started talking to this gentleman. And, and uh, he, he said, hey, you know, uh, can we go outside and talk? I said, yeah, yeah, you betcha. So we went outside, and we sat down in, a, in kind of a private area, and he began to share that, that his, his, his marriage was in jeopardy. He had an anger problem. He was... Uh, uh, he'd lost his job about a year and a half before. He hadn't worked in a while. Um, he was losing jobs because of his anger problem. He was, lo- he was losing his marriage because of an anger problem. Um, there were so many things that were against this guy and against his family. And so I began to pray with him, and I met with him probably five, six times since then. And to see what the Lord has been doing in this guy, he's got a job now, his marriage is fantastic. He's beginning to dream again about the things that the Lord had put in his heart years and years ago. He even said to me the other day, he hadn't been to church in 20 years, and he said, you know what? I'm thinking about going back to church. He has a dream that the Lord put in his heart to start a barbecue restaurant <laughs> because he wants to serve the homeless, right? He, wants to, he, he said, the best thing I've got going for me is I know how to barbecue, And there's needs that I want to meet in the community also. God is stirring dreams. God is stirring dreams. I'm absolutely convinced that God is preparing us for and propelling us into the promises that he has for you. We're going to be continuing today on a series titled uh, Renewed. We started it about three weeks ago, and I absolutely believe that God is up to something new in our lives. He is up to something new in your life, whether you see it or whether it's behind the scenes. God is always up to something new. So he's preparing us for and propelling us towards promise. He's preparing us for in those seasons that we struggle with, those seasons that we wrestle through, our seasons that God is preparing us for something of promise down the road, something of hope. Your promise may be A secure marriage. Your promise may be barbecue restaurant. Your promise may be coming back to that place of hope again. A place of maybe freedom from an addiction. Right. The Lord has given every single one of us promises. And I believe that we are constantly in a state of being prepared for those things so that God can propel us into them. He hasn't forgot about you. He hasn't forgot about your promise, even though sometimes we do, don't we? Isaiah chapter 43 is the text we've been exploring for the last last couple of weeks. I'm gonna read this to you again today. It says, thus says the Lord, this is Isaiah 43, 16 through 19. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power, They shall lie down together and they shall not rise. They are extinguished and they are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. See, there's three things here that lead up to where God says here, I'm going to do a new thing. There's some things that I believe that God would prepare us with in order to be able to walk in the new thing that he's doing. And I believe there's some things lined up in here. We, we, we went over these the first week. I'm just going to recap a little bit. First of all, he's reminding you of his promises. God is constantly speaking to us softly in the back of our hearts about the promise he's, he's given us. And as he's preparing to do a new thing, he's reminding us of his promises. He's reminding you of the way you've come. The Lord reminds us of, this, of, the, of the, the things that we've struggled with for the purpose of remembering how he's carried us through it. Right, It's easy to remember the stuff that we wrestle through in life. We can think back about the last couple of months, the last couple of decades even sometimes and think, man, that was really difficult. But the thing is the Lord would have us remember those things so that we can weed through it and remember what he did during that time. Right? We've got to remember what he did during that time to carry us through where we were struggling and, and somehow the bill got paid. We didn't know how it would. Somehow there was something miraculous that happened where God's hand was involved. And the Lord wants us to remember those things. But then he goes on and he says the next thing. He is freeing us from holding on to the past. The next thing he says here is, now that you've remembered the things that I've done, forget about the past, right? We're going to forget about the past because we can hold on to it and we can camp out in it and think, man, I remember when God used to do great things. God used to really do amazing things but he would say to us, we got to get past that now because I'm going to do a new thing, right? He wants us to get to the place where we're, we're free of past failures. We're, we're free of unforgiveness. And i want to tell you, church, we cannot enter into the new thing of God, dragging that baggage with us. God wants to free you from that stuff. And I absolutely believe that sometimes it's through, through a process of the Spirit working in our hearts to bring us to that. Sometimes it is a miraculous thing that the Lord just cuts it loose. Just cuts it loose. And so for the next, like, five seconds, I'm going to pray over you, okay? Because I, I believe that there are some people that have some things that the, God, that, that the Lord just wants to cut loose. Anybody want some of that? Amen. All right, Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. Lord, every single one of us carry things that you want to free us from. And so, Heavenly Father, we just ask for freedom, supernaturally, that you would release forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Lord, that where the enemy would want to hold us back by past failure, Lord, your word says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, we just ask supernaturally now that you'd bring freedom from the condemning spirit that hell would bring that would hold someone in this body back from your promises. In the name of Jesus, if you agree with that, amen? Amen. amen. All right. So three things, he's reminding you of his promises, he's reminding you of the way you've come, and he's saying, we need to be free from it, and he's delivering us from these things. And in Isaiah 43, that takes us up to a line where, where God says, I'm going to do a new thing. Right? He, this is the preparation time to get into this new thing that God's doing. And see, when we begin to catch these things, this puts us at the starting line. Right? Last week, we talked about uh, Joshua chapter 1. We started off in Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to, let me read over this uh, with you real quick. This is just some select passages. Chapter 1, 1 and 2, 9 through 11, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan. You and all this people into the land I am giving them, to the people of Israel. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 10 And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp, and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. what's what's really neat about this to me is they've been in the desert wandering for 40 years and they come to this place where on the other side of a river is the promise they've been hearing about for decades. And they're right on the other side of it. And God tells them, tell the people they have three days. We're not camping out here. We're not getting comfortable, we're going in, in three days. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. So when we catch this, we get on the starting line, we get to this place where where we can believe in the promises of God, and it says in Isaiah that when we come to this new thing, it's going to spring forth. It's going to spring forth, and that's what's happening here with Joshua and the Israelites. He's saying, it's going to spring forth. I'm going to do a new thing. We're going into the promised land. Get ready. It's springing. It's happening, right? And then last week, we talked about how, how God told the Israelites there to go and to possess their promise. And possessing, that word possess doesn't mean what you think it means, right? This word possess that he, that he says here, yarash, the word literally means to take it by force. So the promise that God had for them wasn't just wrapped up with a bow on it, neatly packaged, where God said, here, in three days, I'm just going to give you this present. It's going to be super awesome. You wouldn't have to do anything for it. Here it is, right? He laid it out for them, but he said, no, you're going to have to own this. You're going to have to grab a hold of this, and it's going to be kicking and screaming, and you're going to take, take a hold of that thing, and you're, and you're going to, by the time this is done, there's going to be something of ownership in this. Right? You're going to invest something into this. right? And so, so the Lord would tell us the same thing, that behold, I'm doing a new thing. It's going to spring forth, but are you ready to fight for it? I don't know about you guys, but I hate camping. I, 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 I've come to the realization, to be honest with myself, take punches off my man card, I don't care. And if you were honest with yourself, you hate camping too. (laughs) In fact, I was talking to a friend last night, came over for dinner, we're sitting on the couch talking, and he was talking about how he had just been camping uh, with with a guy he worked with, and they were all excited about going camping, but when he got home after two days, he was so excited just to be home and in his own bed. And I, I said to him, you don't really like camping, do you? And he was like, you know, one of those, didn't want to admit it, you know, because, you know, in conversation, you, you want to be able to say, oh, I'm no, roughing it, that's awesome. You know, but he's like, no, man, I, I hate camping. This guy asked if I wanted to go, and so, you know, I, I had to say yes. But we hate camping, right? You go, and, and it's, you know, you get the campfire going. That's all great. It's, and it's not bad until you have to go to bed. And then there's no way to get comfortable. There's always something jabbing you in the back, or a stick, I mean, it doesn't matter how long you take to clear the ground, it will not be comfortable. I used to be into mountaineering for a couple of years, and it was not that cool. (laughs) I mean, I had all sorts of gear. In fact, I have totes in my garage, like stacked of mountaineering gear. But we'd go out there, and we'd climb up the glacier on, on, like, Mount Rainier, and we'd level out a spot. We'd set up this, this cool tent and, and had some, like, pads we'd lay down to, to kind of help insulate from the freeze. And it, it was great until we got into bed, and every 45 minutes, if I slept on my back, back of my legs, my back would start freezing. And so, like a waffle, would flop over. 45 minutes. It was 45 minutes on all night long. Wake up the next morning. The entire day, you're exhausted. It was no fun. It's no fun at all. I have pictures, and I can look at the pictures and think, wow, that was, that was a time. <laughs> look at that. I look so cool on the side of that ice thing. Nice. But man, it, it, it gets uncomfortable. We can become uncomfortable camping out in the wilderness of our soul. The Israelites were at this place where they were three days before entering into their promise. And God told them, don't stay here, we're going in. But we can become comfortable in those seasons, those seasons where our promise is just on the other side. We come out of this, this time of you know, sometimes we call it valley times, right? Times where life is a little bit rough. Times where things are, are difficult. Maybe there was a loss of a job or a, a, something happened in your family or th- things that take us to a place that rattle our faith. Things that, that shake us to the core sometimes. Things that challenge us in our walk with Jesus. The Lord would lead us through those things to a place of our promise of something new and of new life is right on the other side. But sometimes we spend so much time in that season of, of wilderness that we become comfortable. We nestle ourselves down into it. And sometimes we can have a tendency to think, you know what? I'm tired. But we get comfortable. And we recognize, you know what? This, this doesn't look anything like abundant life. There's no promise in this, but you know what? At least I'm safe right now. At least the, the turbulence is over, and I'm nestled down, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm comfortable. Right? We can make a home in seasons of no vision. Right? We can get to the place where we have no vision for the, for the future, and we can snuggle down in it. Seasons of bitterness, seasons of unforgiveness, seasons of discouragement, See, Israel was in the desert, in the wilderness, wandering for 40 years, right? And there was a reason God did not let them settle down. They were constantly moving. That's why it says they wandered. He didn't let them settle down because he knew they would get comfortable. God doesn't want us to get comfortable with that place. He wants to use that place. Now, let me, let me tell you this. I'll preface this by saying the rough stuff that happens in life is not stuff that God brings. It's stuff that life brings. I hear often, well, it's happening for a reason. Yeah, it's happening because we live in a broken world. Yeah, but God promises that he's going to carry us through it, right? There's a promise on the other side of it. God doesn't want us to nestle down in that season and make it home. He has abundant life for you, but he will use that season to prepare you for propelling you into your promise, God has more for us than that. So let's look at the next part of Isaiah 43. We'll look at verse 18 here. He says, I'll start at 18. We'll look at 19. He says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Shall you not know it? Here's where God is talking to Judah, the kingdom of Judah, through the prophet Isaiah. And This word that he's given them, he's he's inviting them to be part of it. Shall you not know it? Won't you be part of the new thing I'm doing? Is what God says to Judah. See, what's happening, we talked the first week um, about King Hezekiah and Judah had been been, uh, essentially idol worshipers for probably some 200 years under the rulership of evil kingship. And the Lord sent Hezekiah, a godly king, who came in and, and all of the idols and the, the false gods and the statues and all these things that the people began to worship, he wiped them out. The people were like, what is going on? But God said to them through the prophet Isaiah, I'm doing a new thing. That's what this word was to, was to Judah. And he said, I'm doing a new thing. Won't you be part of it? And the people decided you know what? Yes, we will be. And so they began to seek the Lord under King Hezekiah's reign. And what happened through that was something absolutely no less than miraculous. See, Assyria had wiped out every other kingdom around Judah. See, before that, some several hundred years before that, Israel had broken into two parts. Judah in the south, a small piece. And then the two-thirds of the size bigger than that was Israel to the north. Assyria had essentially just come in and wiped out everything to the left, to the right. Israel, all of it had been essentially assimilated into Assyria. Either taken by force or surrender. They didn't care. And so to King Hezekiah, the king of Assyria would send letters and messengers and say, We're coming to to Judah next. You're a tiny little kingdom, and we're going to wipe you out. So why don't you just surrender? And he would send letters that would say, here's what we're going to do to your women and your children and your families and your livestock and everything that you hold dear. Just make this easy on yourself. Just give up. And the Lord was speaking, I'm going to do a new thing. And so they began to pray and press into the Lord. And as the kingdom of Assyria ascended on Judah, they camped right on the verge of assault. And they prayed and said, Lord, we don't know what you're going to do. The next morning, the the Assyrian army woke up to find 185,000 of their men dead. When they woke up, they said, we're out. We don't know what's going on. They took off. Didn't touch Judah, never came back. God had done a new thing. He had turned their attention to him. He said, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you want to be a part of it? They had the choice. They could have said, you know what? No, we're going to go back to our, to our false gods, and we're going we're to pray to them, and, and we're not going to turn to the God of heaven. But they didn't. They turned to the God of heaven, and he did something miraculous he invited them, and they took, the, they took the invitation. But what do we do when we've been camping out too long in these seasons of wilderness? What do we do? Does God give up on us? When, we, we were, when we're in these seasons of visionlessness, when we're in these seasons of, of we don't feel like the, the dreams that the Lord gave us are ever going to amount to anything? Let's look at the example that God gives us about... Uh, A guy named Joseph. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 37. Let me read this. It says in uh, verse 3 of 37, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. His brothers hated him. They hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up. And your bundles all gathered around and bowed down before mine. His brothers responded, you think you're going to be king over us? Do you actually think you're going to reign over us? They hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. And this wasn't the only dream he had. He had several of them that the Bible records. And from what it sounds like, he had dream after dream after dream of similar things, of him ruling over his family and ruling over his brothers. Verse 12, so after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem, when they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pastoring sheep in Shechem. Go and see how your brothers are getting along with the flock. And then they came back, and then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. His journey actually ended up being about 100 miles. This wasn't just, uh, hey, why don't you go out in the field and check on the guys? This was like a pretty serious journey. So when he gets there, verse 18, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's go kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. And then we can tell our father a wild animal got him. And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Life does that to us sometimes, doesn't it? I love that last part as much as I hate it, where it says what his brothers had declared. You know what, let's just throw this guy in a hole, and then we're going to see what becomes of his dreams now. The enemy of our soul speaks the same thing over us so much, and we receive it and think, you know what, I feel defeated. The, the Lord doesn't want you to be defeated. He wants you to know that, that he's got plans for you, and he's going to redeem those things. But what happened was, um, here's, here's Joseph. This kid who his family clearly knows he's the, the, the golden child, right? Dad makes him this special coat. 17 years old at this time. He's 17 years old. And this is a, is a, a young man whose spiritual gift probably is not humility. I mean, he's constantly going to his brothers and, and saying things like, Hey, man, check out this dream I had. I am way cooler than you. In fact, I'm going to be royalty, pretty much, and you guys are going to be bowing down. (laughs) Ha-ha! He even went to his dad and said, hey, dad, let me tell you about these dreams. You guys are all going to be bowing down, man. What do you think? And his dad got upset. Jacob was like, you're seriously telling me that you're having a dream of, of me and your mom and your brothers bowing down before you? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. When we have dreams, there are certain people that we should be sharing some of those things with, right? There are safe people to share your dreams with, and there are some people you probably want to keep those things to yourself about. In fact, we have a wonderful example of Mary. The Bible says when the angel showed up to her and and shared with her that she was going to be mothering the Messiah, the Bible says that she pondered these things in her heart, right? Right? She just kept him in a nice, safe place where she knew she had a promise from heaven. But if she would have gone out and said, you know what, hey, guess what? I'm going to be having the Messiah, right? She probably would have got a whole lot of ridicule. We have to be, we have to be uh, intentional about who we share dreams with, right? But That's just kind of a little side thing. But he goes and he shares these dreams with, with, with all these people in his family, and, and they're like, they hated him. When he went out to check on his brothers out in the field, uh, he got to the place and, and they, they grabbed him and they, they threw him into a pit. Here's a guy that had dreams and aspirations as a young man of doing some awesome stuff. God had given him dreams. Sometimes we just, we just dream about things in life, but sometimes some of those dreams come from heaven. And here's a guy who has some dreams that were, were from the Lord. And so right at the time that this climactic point in his life where he thinks everything's looking up, he finds himself looking up from a hole in the ground. His brothers took him to kill him and threw him into a hole and said, you know what? He's gonna die down there. Let's just leave him. And they left him. I imagine this guy's dreams were probably on edge a little bit now. It just so happened that slave traders came by, found him in a hole, pulled him out, Shackled this guy up, probably abused him along the way, took him into Egypt, sold him into slavery to Potiphar a guy that was on on the pharaoh's payroll he's tending to his home Potiphar's wife accuses him of some stuff the bible says that that he 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 clang to his character his integrity he didn't he didn't do the things he was accused of, but he was still thrown into prison because of it. If you're thrown into prison, something like that, that was a death sentence. That wasn't just, hey, you know what? Six months in jail, six months in the county, and you'll be out. This was, you're probably never gonna be seen again. And it just so happens that while he's down there, the Lord begins to give him more dreams and interpretations of dreams. And the king, the pharaoh says, Hey, it says to his, his people, hey, you know what? I'm having these dreams and they're freaking me out. Who can interpret these dreams? And someone says, hey, there's a guy in the jail I heard about. it has been there for a while, but maybe he's interpreted some dreams. We've, we've heard about something like this. So he comes up to the Pharaoh and he interprets these guy, this guy's dreams. The Lord had given him an interpretation and Pharaoh makes him second in command over, over time of Egypt. Through that time, there's a famine, and his family has to come to Egypt to buy grain. And just so happens, he's overseeing the sale of grain. So, all these things that he had dreamed about began to happen. His family came and they bowed down before him. And I'm not going to share the rest of the story. I want you to read it. It's, an, it's a tremendously amazing story about God's faithfulness. But here's a guy that spent 13 years, from the time he was thrown into a cistern till the time he got onto Pharaoh's payroll, 13 years. He was absolutely going through the most difficult things a person could probably go through, right? Right? It was from this perspective that through a near-death experience, through slavery, through life-threatening accusations, a death sentence, that finally God brought him into the dream that he had given him. Thirteen years of absolutely going through the most difficult struggles in life. And I imagine there were probably two perspectives during this season, his and God's. When we struggle through life, we wrestle with our faith, we wrestle with our dreams, we, we wrestle through so much emotion, and we wonder, where is God in all this? But there's this awesome verse from the Lord's perspective we can see through the word of God. In, in verse 39, the, the Bible says, And the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. From a heaven's perspective, the Lord says, I was with that guy. Here's a guy that may have thought he was being successful because he was just an ingenuitive guy. Maybe he thought he was pretty smart and just kind of figuring it out along his way, right? Clinging to his integrity. But the Bible says the Lord was with him, and that's why he succeeded in everything that he did. And I want you to know that when you are struggling through life's muck... The Lord views you as his kids the same way. For those who have come into the family of God through Christ, the Lord would say to you, I'm with you. The Bible says that God would tell us he never will leave us and never forsake us. Ultimately, Joseph became second in command of Egypt. It's an amazing story. Check it out. But God didn't kick him to the curb. Just like Joseph, God isn't through with you. He's renewing you. God isn't through with you. When you have camped out too long in rough seasons, when you've given up on dreams and you've given up on the things that the Lord has spoken over your life, you need to know today that God's not through with you. He's not through with you, He's reminding you of those dreams. He's renewing you. Luke chapter 5, verse 36. I'm going to read this to you real quick, but I'm going to give you some preface. Jesus is calling his disciples, and he comes to a man named Levi, who's a tax collector. And he says, hey, follow me. And Levi says, I'm done with this tax collecting thing. Yep, I'm going to go be a disciple. I'm going to follow, follow Jesus, the Messiah. And so he, he, he throws a feast, and he invites all of his friends, tax collectors, sinners, everybody, right, to this feast. And Jesus comes to the feast. And while he's there, there's some religious leaders that show up. And they're questioning Jesus about, about what's going on, why. They're, they're trying to make a connection between you are essentially a religious leader also, but yet you're hanging out with all these sinful people who are, our culture says, are the worst of the worst. So picking up in chapter 5, verse 36 of Luke, he says, Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment, for the new garment would be ruined. And the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one drinks the old wine, or no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. So, in no uncertain terms, those who he was speaking with would have heard something like this. Let me, let me point out a couple of things here that are, that are kind of interesting in the text. In verse 38, it says, new wine must be stored in new wineskins. The interesting thing here is that these, this word new, it's actually two words. The first new is neos. It means like a newborn baby, new. The second one, kainos, means renewed or restored, refurbished, right? So in no uncertain terms, those who were listening to him share would have heard him say this concerning his disciples and why he's spending time around people that most religious leaders would never meet with, especially a, a, a Jewish leader would never meet with somebody like that. And he says to them essentially this, I am doing a new thing. And I'm using renewed people to do it. I'm doing a new thing. And I'm using renewed people to do it. But then he goes on and he says this, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old seems just fine, they say. He essentially was saying to them, I wanted to use you, but you weren't willing to go through the process. And so I've chosen these 12. They're willing to go through the process of being renewed for my new thing. God isn't through with you. He's renewing you. God doesn't look at the things we've struggled through as disqualifiers. God doesn't look at the seasons that we camp out in of no vision and of brokenness and of pain and say, you know what? You've been there too long. I'm going to go find somebody else. No, he's committed to you. The dreams he's given you, he's reminding you of those things because he's going to bring them to pass in the same way he did with Joseph. But here's the cool thing about renewing a wineskin. Essentially, the way that they would renew a wineskin is they would take this, this bladder that had been dried out, hadn't been used in a while. It's got cracks in it. It's just, it's just old and crusty. And they would take this thing and they would immerse it in oil. And they would just soak it in there. And begin to massage this thing. Until the pores of the skin begin to absorb the oil. And then as it began to become pliable, they'd begin to stretch it and put a little bit of pressure on it. And these are the things that the Lord would do to us as we would come out of seasons of brokenness and bitterness. That the Lord would anoint you with the oil of heaven. With the Holy Spirit, He would begin to permeate your soul. And He'd begin to soak into these areas where we're angry where we're hurt, where we're feeling no vision, where we're feeling like our dreams are lost, and he'd begin to come in there during that time preparing you for your promise. And he'd massage those areas and and breathe life and refreshing over those areas. And then as you begin to soak in the things of life that the Holy Spirit is breathing into you, new life into your soul. He'd begin to stretch us. And we're going to feel it. It pulls a little bit, right? He comes in there and he begins just to stretch and work so that we begin to take the shape that he needs us to be to facilitate the promise that he has for us. And the awesome thing about it is by the time it's done, by the time he's done stretching this old thing, he looks at it and he calls it new. He would look at you as, you as you go through these things in life that you think would disqualify you, and he says, you know what, I'm using that to shape you to be able to carry your promise. I'm not wasting those things. He would empower you with the Holy Spirit to anoint you and begin to permeate your life with the Holy Spirit. And he would begin to stretch you. And then when you're finally at the capacity to carry the promise he's given you, he steps back and he says, that's new. You are something new. And the Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and everything's been made new. And I love this This. This last part of Isaiah right here in this verse. For those who are willing to go through the process of allowing the Lord to stretch us and shape us so that we can be part of the new thing he's doing. He says this, I will even make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. He will absolutely do the impossible in your circumstances. Absolutely do the impossible in your circumstances. Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today believing that, Lord, no matter how long we have stayed in dry places, you are able to do all things. Lord, to carry us through those seasons because regardless of whether or not we feel it or not, you are up to something new in our lives. Lord, you are preparing us for and propelling us into your promises. So, Lord, now I pray that as we go out of this place, Lord, that we would be willing to submit our hearts to the process of allowing you back in to permeate all that we are, to stretch us, Gently, Lord, to work us to the place where we can now carry the promises of God, the newness of life, abundant life, hope again, vision again, freedom again, life again. And Lord, thank you that when you see us, you look down and you say, that's new. Lord, that we are new in you. If there's anybody here today that that you've never experienced the newness that comes from a relationship with the living God through Christ Jesus, I want to invite you today. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, and God would want to give you the opportunity today to be new, to be forgiven, to be able to wake up tomorrow and be absolutely fresh and free of the bondage of today if that's you today and you say you know what I, I want to know God I want to be forgiven I want to come into that relationship with him would you just slip a hand up so I can see you I see you over there anybody else I see you there anybody else I see you there I see you over there you need to know that your sins are forgiven today you are new as of right now. The Lord would speak life over you and say, welcome to the family. You're forgiven. Now, Lord, I ask as we go out of here today, Father, that you would absolutely fill us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that you would, you would give us a reminder daily, Lord, of your vision of your future, of your promise, Lord Jesus, so that we can look towards it, God, that we would not be the same tomorrow as we are today. Lord, thank you for life. Lord, we just receive your life today. Thank you for the abundance of that that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, church, if you need prayer, we have a prayer team, I think, that'll be over here available to pray with you. If... Today was the first day that you've you've made the decision to follow Jesus, to give your life to Christ, and to come into that relationship. Uh, outside in the foyer, on one of the back tables, there, there's a, a new believer's. Uh, it's like an envelope, just with some information in it for you of what next steps do you take? How do you? What's this look like? Right? What's what's church all about? Just kind of explains what this newness and relationship with God is all about. Okay, so we want to invite you. Please grab one of those. Um, Love you guys. See you next week. God bless you.